Tonight's Bible reading is from Jonah chapter 1, verse 17, through to the end of chapter 2. Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. He said, In my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas, and the currents swelled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. But you, Lord my God, brought my life up from the pit. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed I will make good. I will say, salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. Well, friends, we are going to dig into this passage together. Obviously an incredible story, uh, incredible response as well. But before we do, let me pray. Our good and gracious God, uh, we thank you so much for your word. And we thank you every week, and every week we are thankful. Father, we pray that as we look at it and as I preach from it, that you will speak through me. The Holy Spirit, you'll be working in each of our hearts to be grown, uh, to appreciate just how great and grand our God is and what it means to be your people. I pray for our brothers and sisters across the screen as well at home, that they'll be able to engage what it is that's going on here and that you'll be at work in their hearts just as much as we are here. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Can you think of a time in your life, maybe it's just for a moment, where you've felt absolute despair? Absolute kind of despair, hopelessness, uh, something that might be within your control, out of your control, but you are feeling helpless hopeless, overwhelmed by some kind of circumstance, maybe it's something that, that you've done, something that someone else has done, could be an experience which is happening within you, but something which is making you feel despair. Now, some of us don't have to think quite hard. That might be the present moment. It might be something that happened years ago, but whether or not, whether it's a memory or the present moment, we've all felt that kind of feeling at some point. And it's a horrible feeling. It, it like gets deep within us, causes great pain. It's excruciating and it's hopeless. You feel out of your depth and you feel like you're sinking, sinking deeper and deeper. And it's that kind of feeling in which we land ourselves in the book of Jonah at this moment. That's the kind of feelings that, that Jonah is experiencing. As we explored last week, Jonah, he's received a commission from God, a call for him to go to a people that Jonah really hated, the enemies of God, the Ninevites, the worst of the, of the worst. Jonah thought it was a terrible idea and he wants to run away. He, run, he runs away across the sea and as he does, the storm comes, God sends that storm and then Jonah confesses that he's the reason and they chuck him into the ocean, into the sea, falling into the bottom of the Mediterranean. And it's at that point, across the bow of the boat or wherever it was, into the sea, which is being picked up here. 
Now, I want to skip the first couple of verses for a moment. We'll come back to them. But I want to pick up in this story where we're actually in the, in the context of the narrative. And that's in verse 3. Jonah, he's talking to God and he says, You hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the sea. The, the currents were swirling around me. All the waves and breakers swept over me. Like that feeling if you're at the beach and you're caught in a rip and your, your legs can't touch the bottom, but the waves are crashing over your head. You begin to panic. You feel that sense of fear, that sense of you kind of drown. And if you remember back into um, chapter, chapter 1, what is interesting about the language here in verse 3 is that it says that God hurled Jonah into the sea in the same way that God hurled the storm. Now, it seems a bit weird because we know the sailors were actually the ones that hurled Jonah across the boat. But Jonah knows that God is the one who is at work here. It's Jonah's actions that got him in this point, but God is now calling the shots. And God is now going to begin his gracious action of calling Jonah back to himself, transforming this prodigal prophet. Now, as we read on and we get a glimpse into the heart of Jonah and the feelings that are going on, we we realize this is a far from pleasant experience from Jonah. God's doing it, but it is far from pleasant for him. Like, it's not like on a spa bath kind of being pampering back that, that God's doing to Jonah. Like, this is severe acts of mercy. When you have a look, verse 5, the engulfing waters threaten me. The deep surrounded me. Like, seaweed is wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sunk down. Like, the, this guy's in a terrible position. Waves crashing over him, the seaweed wrapped him around his neck. No hope of breathing. For Jonah, the Israelite who can't swim, for the ancient cultures in the day, the the sea was like a picture of chaos, uncontrolled, untamable, catastrophic. For Jonah in this point, he is far from help. He is far from any source of hope. He is like sinking and really is at the bottom of human life, the bottom of human experience, in despair. He might not have known that he needed saving before, but now he's certainly experiencing this great need to be saved. But his fears, they're growing from kind of bad to worse. Because when you have a look at verse 4, he knows that God has sent the storm. He knows that God has sent him in. And so he says, verse 4, I feel like I have been banished from your sight. Jonah is feeling now rejected by God. I'm sure, yeah, he ran away, but he feels as though God is judging him, that he is being abandoned. And I think if we're experiencing these kind of thoughts, we can really empathize with Jonah here. We can empathize when we, we feel feelings of guilt or feelings of shame or feelings of failure or we're in a situation that just feels way beyond what God would allow. We feel like God has left us, that God may have abandoned us, and that's a very real kind of feeling. We see that throughout the Psalms as laments and all these kind of things as we hear God's people express that kind of thought. And it's at this point for Jonah, he definitely knows he needs saving. He knows that he can't save himself. Now, we find ourselves in these kind of positions in life, uh, in a, you know, a, a life kind of physical sense, but certainly very much in a spiritual sense too. 
And in those situations, like where it is that we are turning to, who is it that we go to? Where is it we run? What is it that we do? Now, in our culture, the things that are kind of just forming us in the, the land which we are swimming, um, sometimes the answer, it can come in like the form of self-help, like the, the therapeutic, the, the problem that we have is like a lack of self-esteem or something of that idea. There's too much shame, too much judgment, and we need more self-love. That's a, that's a good thing for sure, but they're saying that is the place that his ultimate fulfillment is found. Sometimes we're told, well, there's no problem at all. There's no real need of saving. That's like a social construct or whatever it may be. Uh, we can feel like that feeling of guilt that we shouldn't have to feel that. Just be yourself. And sometimes the, op- the option is, all right, just, just ignore the feelings. Distract yourself. Fill yourself with other things in order to take away whatever it is, this pain or sense of despair is coming upon you. The need for salvation. Now, when we're confronted with these things, those thoughts can come across our mind. Help yourself, tell yourself it's not an issue, or distract yourself. For Jonah in this situation, he knows that is not an option. He knows that he is sinking to the bottom of the sea. He can decide to ignore it if he wants, but the issue of drowning is certainly going to overcome him. And this physical situation which Jonah is finding himself points so much to our spiritual situation. Jonah is running from God, he's sinking to the bottom, but he's in desperate need of salvation. And he knows to turn to God. And that is what this prayer is about. When you look back at verse 2, which is like kind of the summary of this prayer, this psalm, Jonah says, In my distress I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From the deep, in the realm of the dead, I called for help, And you, that's God, listened to my cry. In the distress, in the sinking, in that hope of hopelessness and and despair, Jonah calls out to God. It reminded me so much of Psalm 130, which says, Out of the depths I cry to you, Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Like Jonah, he knows he's in desperate need of saving, but he knows the one who can save. He knows the one to call out to. He knows the one to cry to. And perhaps this is the one of the few things that Jonah actually does right, doesn't he? He models the response of what, what the response is when we feel hopelessness, when we feel despair, when we feel the need to be saved, it is to call out to God. Now, we can be in these great places of hope and despair for whatever reason in life. And this, amongst so much of the Bible, is just a rich encouragement that God hears us that he hears us from the depths of despair. We cry out and he hears. It's not just for Jonah and for us, some echoes in the deep. It is heard by the God of the heavens and the earth. And what is actually quite remarkable about Jonah's prayer here, uh, amongst all sorts of things, is that he's actually praying scripture. All the verses here, they're either verbatim, They're summarized or they're paraphrases of something of the Psalms, every single one. Uh, You can have a look on the screen there. There's a bunch of references, and they're just the ones which are like explicit references, let alone what I just mentioned in, in Psalm 130. And this is just a beautiful image of someone in distress 
is praying scriptures back to God. In a time of crisis, Jonah knew God's word and he used them to pray. He used them as his source of direction and his source of comfort, his source of truth. And of course, how can Jonah do that except the fact that he knew them? He knew the scriptures. He doesn't have an access to the, the nice scrolls in the belly of the fish, right? I think this is an encouragement for us like to commit God's word to memory and to remember and to pray the scriptures back to God. And that's a beautiful encouragement. It's our source of hope. It's a, sh- a sure foundation in our time of distress, uh, in our time of fear. God has the great potential and indeed the value in order to help us in our time of need. And like similar to what I was encouraging us when we looked at John chapter 6, feeding on the word, like feed on Jesus, feed on his word. Part of that, it nourishes our faith. It grows us towards the good things that God has called us to, but also gives us an anchor in those stormy times. Because as the people of God, we are incredibly blessed and encouraged to call out to God in our time of distress. And the scriptures give us that permission and also give us the language in order to be able to do that. At this point of the story, our prodigal prophet is in distress, right? He knows he needs saving. Uh, he knows he can't do it himself. He's got to call out to God. And if you've kind of read all of the story and if you're maybe picking up on my language of the prodigal prophet, the story of Jonah has a lot of similarities to Jesus' parable, the prodigal son, or maybe in more accurate terms, the, the parable of the two lost sons. And Jonah, in chapters 1 and 2, very much kind of mirrors and parallels the first son, the prodigal one, the one that ran away, the younger son. And then in chapters 3 and 4, he very much mirrors the older son, the one that stays at home is a bit more self-righteous. Jonah, he's that complex, he can do both, he's pretty special. But to stick with the younger son for a moment, in Jesus' parable, he runs, right? He thinks that his father is no good to him anymore. He wants to take the blessings and run. He, he thinks that a better life is found outside of the Father's blessing and obeying him and hearing his direction. But he just finds himself, he spends all his money and he finds himself in a sense of despair, a sense of hopelessness to the point where he wants to eat the food of the pigs. Empty. But he returns home, he calls out to his father and finds surprising mercy. And that is just so similar to Jonah, isn't it? run from God, thinking that he can know what is best for himself outside the Father's house, outside his realm. Seaweed wrapped around his neck. Similar to that place of eating food that the pigs have, right? But Jonah, he turns back to God, remembering him in prayer. And like the prodigal son, Jonah is going to find mercy. He's going to find grace. He's going to find a God that showers him in love. And it's in at that point that we reach kind of the turning point in the story to just plumb to the absolute depths. And then we read, read verse 6, uh, well, the second half. It says, But you, Lord my God, brought my life up from the pit. Now we know when you look at verse 17, gave it away already, but this, a fish had come. God appointed a fish to come and swallow him to house him for three days. That is like an incredible act of God's mercy. God saved Jonah. 
There's no other explanation for it. God saved him. Jonah needed the surprising, the amazing mercy and grace of God, and God showered him with it. Jonah in no way deserves it, but he is called out to God. He's remembered the Lord, as it said in verse 7, and the Lord has saved him. Now, the way that Jonah has been saved by God is obviously miraculous, right? That's part of the reason we find the story in some ways unbelievable. But it's miraculous the way that God has chosen to appoint a huge fish in order to save Jonah. Now, we're sure we might be able to explain it away with all sorts of nice theories, but what the, the narrative is calling us to do and is actually believe what is the most unlikely. Believe that this is a miracle. It takes a miracle in order to save Jonah. Jonah needed saving. He knew he couldn't save himself. The only possible way was with God. And we see when we parallel that with the prodigal son and the, and the rest of Scripture, we see that grace and mercy come to the undeserving, the undeserving who call out to God. And that is a, that's a beautiful blessing, right? We can hit rock bottom. Having run, having rejected, having any sorts of feeling which has meant that we're sitting there. But God meets us. And we call out to him. He reaches out, saves us. He always acts and delights in showing us his grace. And isn't that just the beauty of the gospel? That God can take anybody, save them, renew them, make them into a new person. It's incredible, right? And I think for us as Christians, I definitely notice it myself. We talk about grace and God saving us so much, it kind of just becomes normal and we forget the surprising nature of it. Like, it's incredible that God would do that. And one thing I found helpful is just like picture yourself in Jonah in this moment, like sinking to the bottom of the sea, like no hope for him at all. No hope of being able to get to the surface life again. And yet God saved him. God gave him life. It might not be a picture of how we feel. That's certainly a very real and spiritual sense of where we have been or where we currently are in desperate need of God to save us. We can throw ourselves on those things we were saying before about the self-help or the distractions or, or whatever it may be. But all those things are like life rafts with holes in them. They'll work for a little while and they'll be good for a little while. They just fill with water and sink. Like Jonah, like all of humanity, we all need to be saved by God and God alone. And for Jonah, when he experienced that, it wasn't just head knowledge of him at that point, like he was literally experiencing it. And his response was, I'm going to tell the world. I'm going to tell the world about it. Having experienced it, he ends his Thanksgiving prayer with verse 9 when he says, I will shout with grateful praise and will sacrifice to you, talking about God. What I vowed I'll make good, I will say salvation comes from the Lord. And that line there, that salvation comes from the Lord, that's kind of like the the big overarching theme of the Bible, isn't it? That salvation comes from the Lord. It's what we hear Peter talking about uh, in Acts, uh, in the, the first kind of big evangelistic messages. Now for Jonah... We might think, well, man, that guy's got a pretty amazing story, right? He, he ran from God. God sends a storm. He plummets to the end. A huge fish, like, grabs him, swallows him up, and then chucks him out on land. Like, that is a story worth telling, right? That's a pretty amazing miracle. And it certainly is. 
But we have had an incredible, even greater miracle that's happened for us in the Lord Jesus. Because isn't that our story too? People who've run, people who've rebelled, people who are in desperate need of salvation. Finding ourselves in a storm, like that unfulfilling life, in the present and headed for an eternity of God's judgment, yet God saved us. Like that is the gospel, right? And that is beautiful, good, amazing news worth sharing. A life to the full in the present and into the future. Jonah's response is to experience that, to know that, and he's going to tell people about it. Now, of course, if only it was like that simple and motivating all the time. Um, I think that the, the narrative and what God is doing throughout the whole Bible is calling us to that. And at Nawi, we package it in a nice little vision statement, uh, which is we want to see life transformed through Jesus to the glory of God. That's just taking what the Bible says and putting it in a nice vision, which we can then go along with. Because we want to see people encounter Jesus. We want to see people who perhaps are in the depths of despair come and find life in Jesus. And then continue to be transformed in his, to his likeness. Now, some of us, maybe most of us, in some way are going to be hopeless at evangelism. But look at Jonah. Like, this guy is worse than hopeless. He's like wanting to do the opposite, right? But even there, God can use that. And if our heart is faithful and we're wanting to share Jesus with the world, then we trust God and His Holy Spirit to do the rest. And when Jonah can alert people to the greatest miracle in his life, we're alerting people to the greatest miracle that the world has ever seen, that the world will ever see, the Son of God Himself, becoming a man. That's a miracle in itself. But then coming, living the perfect life for us, dying, rising again. Like no wonder Jesus in the Gospels calls himself the greater Jonah. He's the greater Jonah. Right? And we see these, this story be fulfilled so perfectly and greater in Jesus. Right? Jonah is in the belly of the fish for three days. Jesus is in the belly of the earth for three days and then dies and then rises again. And we have the responsibility and the joy in order to share that beautiful and that good message with others, a wonderful message of hope. Now, amongst all that, and the salvation is a a key and a really awesome thing about the the book of Jonah, but another thing which I find um, so powerful about it is that God makes Jonah experience grace. He's not just telling him. He doesn't even really explain it to Jonah. He, he makes Jonah experience grace. Like Jonah, he needed to be stripped of his like self-buoyant sufficiency that he feels he can have within himself, that selfish pride. He needed to experience the grace, and then God did it through the, the crazy, miraculous, un, like surprising aspect of the storm and the fish because God he used that great fish to be a tool to teach Jonah grace it's a tool that God uses to be an unlikely source of teaching Jonah and us grace and for that fish he embodies a number of functions in the story but of course he swallows Jonah right he swallows him kind of prevents him from death 
knows Jonah knows he can't be saved. He's going to be swallowed by that fish, but he's in the belly for three days. That's pretty unfortunate. No one wants to be in a life living in the belly of a fish. And so the fish then vomits him back out, back to life, kind of like a resurrection. Now, vomiting is not the most pleasant of experiences, but he's, he's like, the image is coming back to life, vomited out. See, Jonah, he needed to experience the grace of God for himself. And God used the fish to do it. Now, of course, the fish, it, it directs, well, redirects Jonah, has that function. It, it shows us about the sovereignty of God. But it also shows us that in a swallow, a carry, and a vomit, that the grace of God is very present in the world and in Jonah's life. And when we look throughout the whole story of Jonah, we see it in this one, we see it throughout all four chapters, is that Jonah is constantly in the grip of grace. He's always in the grip of God's grace. Now, I don't think it's a grip that he probably overly enjoyed. I don't think he enjoyed going to the storm. I don't think he enjoyed drowning almost. Didn't enjoy being in the fish. Didn't enjoy being vomited out. But that was God's way for him that he used in order to embody and teach grace to Jonah. It wasn't what Jonah intended, not what he wanted, but it was certainly what he needed. And friends, in our life, God probably isn't going to send a fish, but he may use unsuspecting, surprising ways in order to teach us grace. We may know it in our minds, we may have experienced it in all all sorts of ways, but he may allow, he may direct certain things to happen that are hard, that may be unpleasant, maybe at times excruciating. And please let me say that God doesn't delight in those things. God isn't like, yeah, man, let me put this person in a horrible situation. God doesn't delight in that. But he can use any form of situation in order to teach us grace, in order to shape us, in order to mold us, to help us grow. And throughout this story, Jonah, he may have lost sight of God, but God has never lost sight of Jonah. At every point, us too, we are in the grip of God's grace. But God hadn't finished with Jonah, had he? Because Jonah was certainly not finished. He's still very much a work in progress. Because although Jonah, he's like recognized the grace of God, he's experienced it in the form of a storm and then a fish, it's still yet to like pervade his whole body, isn't it? It's still yet to fully pervade his heart. And there's a number of things actually when you, when you look at the prayer again that alert us to that fact. To point out a couple, did you notice when... Chloe read it before, that Jonah kind of never really offered a a repentance as such. He didn't say sorry for the running away. He doesn't even mention the running away or anything like that. Like the repentance aspect is curiously curiously missing. As you notice in the prayer, how much he used the word I and me. It's only nine verses long, but he uses I ten times and me seven times. Very much still he's got like a a self-focus, even in his thankfulness and experience of salvation. And then when you have a look at verse 8, he says, those who cling to idols turn away from God's love for them, but in verse 9, but I shout with wonderful acts of praise. Jonah, he's, he's still elevating himself above other people, but he still has that hidden idol in his heart of self-reliance, of self-pride. He will accept grace for himself, 
But as we'll see when it comes to chapter 4, when others receive the grace of God, his heart is angry. He's like so angry that he wants to die. Jonah is still very much in the process of transformation, even though he's experienced grace. And I think that that is so incredibly encouraging. That is such an encouragement to people like you and me. Because Jonah is a work in progress. He is deep in the process of transformation. He is far, far, far from the person that God desires him to be. He's far from the person that God has desired the Israelites to be and then what we see in the person of Jesus. He's saved, but still a bunch of ugly bits need to be transformed. And like, just isn't that us to a T? Or certainly me to a T, and I know it's all of us. Still that need to be transformed, to have the ugly bits um, knocked off. Those seeds of selfishness can still flourish up within us. We need to continually be transformed. And the beauty is, like it was for Jonah, is that God doesn't leave Jonah in that process. He doesn't leave Jonah to do it himself. And we too, we are guided by the Holy Spirit in our life, changing, molding us, teaching us, growing us into likeness of Christ until he returns. And what's also just even more incredible is that in that process, God chooses to use us. As we're being worked on and grown and in this process of transformation, God still chooses to use us. Like that is just, that's an amazing act of mercy and grace in itself. To invite us into and invite us to partner with him in his work. So please, I've been encouraged and to encourage you, keep leaning into God. Like God, he has an unrelenting heart and to save us and then to continue to transform us by his grace as we are a work in progress. So please, please keep engaging in the work the Holy Spirit is doing in your life. Please keep engaging in whatever that means for you in order to be transformed into Jesus' likeness. At times, that process is going to be hard. It may feel like a storm. It may feel like plummeting into the depths of the earth. But God never leaves us. He doesn't forsake us. We're always caught in his grace. And he continues to transform and use us as we go. And in that process, we share his message of salvation and hope with the world. And can I also say that even if in this moment you are feeling like Jonah of the first couple of verses there, in despair, in hopelessness, overwhelmed by all by some kind of feeling, waiting for the fish to come, waiting for some kind of redemption, that God has not forsaken you. He's not left you. He's not abandoned you. He's not decided that you're not worth it anymore. We are always caught in God's grace. He is pursuing us, ready to invite us into his mercy and his grace. And this invite, in this passage, he invites us to call out to God from the depths when we're in despair. And when we do, when we cry out to God, he hears our voice. That is the encouragement, that is the promise, that is the reality which our God promises and has us experience. In that process, we we can know that the actions are good and they're perfect even when they feel like they are not. God can use any form of circumstances for his good purposes. And so please, can I encourage you, continue to call out to God. 
Continue to invest in what he's doing in your life. Continue to share about the message of salvation even as you are being transformed into his likeness. And we'll see how God continues to make his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Let me pray. Our good and gracious God, thank you so much for your grace. We thank you for the life of Jonah and that you, you made him experience that need for grace. And God, we don't ask for any hard circumstances in our life, but Lord, we know that if you allow those things to happen for us, that you will always hold us. You will use them to shape us into the likeness of Christ. And we thank you for that. Thank you that you've given us your Holy Spirit. And God, I pray for those who don't know you yet, that we'll call out to you. We'll know our need for you. And we know that you are the Father with arms wide open, ready to shower us with your mercy and your grace. We thank you so much for this hope and this promise that we have in you because of the Lord Jesus. And so in his name we pray. Amen.